Welcome to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast, hosted by Andy Baldacci. Each week, Andy interviews a successful agency owner who shares their proven strategies to help you build and grow your agency. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to episode number 69 of Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Baldacci, and today I'm talking with Simon Thompson of Content Kite, who shares how to build a content marketing machine for your agency. Simon spent years working for agencies and big corporations, creating content strategies for major brands like Disney and BMW. He saw the power of content, but realized that so few agencies were actually using these strategies to grow their own businesses. So he went out on his own and launched Content Kite to help them do just that. In our chat today, Simon lays out how he builds lead-generating content marketing machines for his agency clients, everything from coming up with topics, how to promote the content to the process for repurposing it. He really doesn't hold anything back, and this is a truly actionable interview. If your content strategy is lacking, but you don't think you have the time to really change that, then this is the episode for you. So without further ado, here's Simon. Simon, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me, Andy. So before the show, we were talking about a a survey that you recently conducted where you looked over a thousand different digital agency websites to get a sense for how they're applying content marketing in the real world. Because while everyone talks about content marketing, we know it doesn't always get applied the way it should. So what was the survey and what did you actually find? Yeah, so I mean, the survey came about as a result of us hearing a lot about and just through our conversations with agency owners that uh, basically they're just not doing content or or they're not doing content well. Um, So we decided to figure out some facts and figures uh, and and see what that actually looked like. So what we did is we we had a VA go around to the uh, websites of 1,000 digital agencies. So by digital agency, I I mean, uh, you know, web, app, mobile design and development companies predominantly. Uh, and we analyzed how often they were uh, posting a blog post. So I, I will say at this point, it was based purely on frequency. It had nothing to do with the, the value of the content or the word count or anything like that. It was based on frequency. And I'll, I'll get into why that's important later in the piece. Uh, but our rating system looked like this. So we had uh, one post a week or more that got a, a rating of four. Uh, between one and three posts per month that had a rating of three. So a a three or four, we considered generally a a good posting frequency. Uh, The rating of two, that was one to three posts per quarter uh, and a rating of one, uh, what we would consider quite a a poor posting frequency. That was between one and three posts per year. Uh, And then there was a zero, which meant they just didn't have a blog. And we knew that we weren't going to have, you know, an overwhelming majority of agencies uh, that were posting on a, a weekly basis or more. But what we found was that only 7% of agencies in our sample, which was 1,000 digital agencies, so statistically significant, 7% were posting weekly or more. We were pretty blown away by that. Um, and I mean, I, I guess our first takeaway from that would be that there's a huge opportunity for agencies here to be posting more content. I mean, in every other industry, you hear so much about this, um, I guess, content ether and how it's so hard for your content to stand out. And in the digital agency space, depending on what industries you work with, et cetera, et cetera, uh, that problem is not non-existent, but it's, it's definitely uh, less of a problem. Um, so there's a huge opportunity for agencies to be producing more content there. The most 
concerning finding, I, I guess, that we found was that the not, not so much the agencies that didn't have a blog at all, they've at least decided that they don't want to do content marketing and that's fine. But 36% of our sample were producing a handful of posts every year. So they were a blog rating of, of one or two. I think it's interesting because we often hear about the, the whole cobbler's kids have no shoes paradigm where people are so busy doing client work that they don't have time to really work on their own businesses. Do you think that's a case of why agencies aren't doing more with the content or what do you think the reason is why so many agencies struggle to really be consistent with their own content? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Agency owners more so than in any other business tend to be more involved in the client work. And I mean, that makes sense. They, they enter the agency world and, and start up their own agency because they like being designers and developers. And, and that's, that's a good thing. Where it falls down is they tend to focus less on the working on the business versus in the business. Um, the other reason I think they're, they're not producing content is, in short, that they just haven't had the need. Um, so agencies, again, more so than most other businesses, tend to be very referral-based. So they do great work. Uh, and they get referred to another client and, uh, you know, they get more work that way. I think the statistic is 90% of agencies rely on referrals as their primary or sole source of leads. And that's not necessarily a bad thing for, for a lot of agencies that, that tends to get them all the work that they could require. Uh, they tend to be the best sort of lead. Um, so, the, you know, referral-based leads know what you have to offer uh, they trust you, they convert at a much higher rate and research also shows that they actually have a higher lifetime value than, than leads from other sources. So it's definitely a good thing. Where it can become problematic is when an agency decides that they want to grow past that because referrals do get to a critical mass. If, if you're not even at the, the critical mass point, um, at the very least, it, it can tend to be an inconsistent flow of leads and something that you don't have much control over. Um, so a lot of agencies that we talk to talk about this, this feast or famine cycle. So they either have too many leads that they can't even take on all the work or they, they don't have enough work to sort of um, you know, fill out payroll for the month in, in certain mm-hmm. circumstances. Yeah, and, and it's something where with the feast or famine, it's like when, when things are good, things are great. And that work keeps coming in. So a lot of times people will, if they're doing some content marketing, if they're doing this, they'll they'll stop doing it because they're like, we don't have the bandwidth to handle any more projects right now. So they just stop whatever efforts actually got them there. And then when things dry up, they go, oh, what what do we do now? We have to start writing some blog posts. And as you know, with content marketing, it's not going to work right away, right overnight. So that leads to those big ups and downs. But say that you're working with an agency, you're talking to an agency who actually has found the time to consistently apply themselves to content marketing. What are the common mistakes that they make even at that point? Well, I think, and and this wouldn't necessarily apply to an agency who is already producing content, but I do want to say it because it's it's an important point. I think so many agencies that are producing content uh, are not doing it with a strategy in mind. And I can hear people cringe when I say that because this is such a sort of you know, common thing that comes up. You, you have to have a, a content strategy. And I, I think a lot of business owners and agency owners, when they see this online, they sort of switch off because it, it, it seems like a lot of work and a lot of stuff they don't know about, this whole creation of the strategy and, and working by that. 
we like to simplify it and the framework we use and follow is, is something called the hub and spoke model. There are a lot of variations, but the, the crux of it is that there's a central idea or a topic that your content is created around uh, and then you create different spokes around that as it were. So, for example, if you're a digital agency, you might use a central idea of uh, the better use of technology to grow your business. Uh, and then around that central idea, uh, you might have an article about using a mobile responsive website versus a mobile application uh, and then a, a case study of, of how much revenue grew when X business built a mobile application for current customers or something like that. So the key thing I would say is have a central idea, create 12 topics around that central idea and creating topics is much easier to do, by the way, when you have that central idea and then schedule them out over 12 weeks. That is a content strategy and there's a, there's a lot more you can do with that and, and we suggest with the clients we work with that we do do more than that. But if you do that, you're doing a lot more than a lot of other agencies do. So once that strategy is in place and, and you have a central idea that, that you're writing about, I think the number one problem that, that people run into is they're not properly leveraging the content. Uh, and what I mean by that is they'll produce a content and in a lot of cases, it's, it's a great piece of content and they assume that's going to be enough to, to drive traffic to it and it's just not. So, I mean, content promotion is something that is talked about a lot and there's a certain way that most people do it and, and it looks kind of like this. So, you, you'll write the article, you'll share it on Facebook, share it on Twitter uh, maybe one time, if you're doing it well, you might send it to a few influencers, people that you link to, and you say something like, hey, I wrote this article, I thought your audience might be interested in it, um, let me know your thoughts on it, which is code for, could you please share it to your audience? Um, that used to work to an extent and it still does work to an extent, but it's getting less and less effective. Um, I know I've heard you say on your show that you get yeah, tons of those emails a day and it's just like, I, I don't have time for this. Um, so what we do when we're working on an article is we'll reach out to those people before the article is published and we'll ask them for a quote or additional insight or an extra data point or, or something of that sort that, that may not have been included in their original article. And people tend to have no problem sharing that information. People like to be helpful if it's not... Uh, you know, a whole lot of work for them. So, a quick reply to that email with a quote is is much easier to do than sharing it to their audience in, in whatever fashion. Now, you, you get two things out of that. A, you get additional insight and a quote, etc. cetera. Uh, but B, when, when you come to promote it, uh, that person is sort of invested in the article and the success rate of asking that person to share the article is significantly higher. So, we get... Uh, a really great response rate when we ask uh, those people. Are you creating like a roundup post or is this just a standalone piece of content and you're adding a couple quotes from experts to it where there's still more material outside of the quotes, but how do you look at it? Yeah, so I mean, the, the article is going to be more or less what we've decided to write the article and we'll just ask for a quote or something additional that we you know haven't mentioned already in the article um, that, that we can mention. Okay, that makes a ton of sense because you're right. I mean, I, I think if anyone out there listening runs a blog of any size or they have any sort of social following, like you're getting inundated with these really generic 
messages from people you have no idea who they are and they're just sending you a link and saying oh what do you think about this would you mind sharing it could you link to it could you do whatever and it's like no i'm I'm not going to do that i don't one i don't know why this matters i'm already busy like why should i care about this and so if you can create that customized personalized pitch that's not directly asking for something from from them that only benefits you you're asking for their input in the form of a simple quote to help give uh, and create a more complete piece of content. So I can see immediately why why that works and why that's a much better strategy than just spamming out a link to everybody. Yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah, there are just so many of those emails sent today. They just sort of get lost in the ether. And one other thing I, I know you had mentioned, I know that as part of the process you guys follow, is, is that about content upgrades? Because so many people, their blogs, if they do anything the most common thing they'll ask for is just an email address to join their newsletter, but that's really not getting the most out of their content that they can. So can you speak to how content upgrades help? Definitely. So yeah, content upgrades are something that we now consider uh, a mandatory for, for creating content. So yeah, like you said, in a lot of articles, you might see a call to action at the end that says, if you want more content like this, sign up to our newsletter. And there's no real value being added to that article just the you know vague promise that they may be able to consume more content like it. What's the, the next level up from that is producing what's called a lead magnet, which listeners may be familiar with. So that might be something like an ebook or a white paper or some you know long form piece of valuable content, or it could even just be a cheat sheet or a checklist. But it, it's general and it's vague that that users can download at the end of that article. So it's not necessarily related to that article. What a content upgrade is, it's essentially a blog post specific lead magnet. Um, So the reason why this is important is because when a, a user lands on that article, the only thing we know for sure that they're interested in is that article. Um, we can't make the assumption that they're interested in your ebook or, or white paper that, that's not about that article. What we do know for sure is they're interested in the article. So if we can create more value based on the content in that article, uh, then you can significantly increase the email subscription rate um, by factors of 50% up to 1,000%. So, you know, 2 to 10x. Um, and a lot of people listening might go, wow, that seems like a lot of work. Um, I have to create a, a whole additional piece of content. And it doesn't have to be. Uh, you, you can, using something like Apple Pages or you know, even PowerPoint, you can create a, a pretty basic, you know, well-designed checklist or cheat sheet or takeaway. In a lot of cases, we create just a PDF of that article. And, and people may say, well, where's the value add in that? And... I mean, to that, I would say that the statistics are 30% of people that land on your article bounce within five seconds. Uh, 50% will read the first 100 words. 80% will have bounced before the end of the article. So really only 20% of people are reading your article in full. So if you can produce something like a takeaway of the article or a checklist related to the article or something snackable that they can just take away, they don't have to read the article then and there, uh, there's value in that and uh, there's enough value to receive an email address from them. When you ask that question, like, where is the value there that I had that same exact question because when we were doing the podcast, we started adding transcripts. We had those in there. The things are like 12, 20 pages sometimes. So they're, they're pretty long. And so we're like, all right, if people 
aren't even loving the show notes, why are they going to want to get something way longer than that? Or why are they going to get something shorter on the other side um, if you want to do a, a cheat sheet or a checklist? But we found that both ends of it work because they do appeal to people who just want either a bite-sized bit or who want something more and don't want to listen to the audio, don't want to watch the video, don't want to do whatever. And I think it just speaks to the point that for the upgrades, if you can hit different angles, if you can hit people who have different expectations, different ways they want to consume the content, then it can really be powerful and still provide value, even if that's not the way you want to consume the content. But to build on that, though, you had earlier mentioned about more traditional lead magnets like ebooks, white papers. And I know a lot of agencies have these, a lot of companies and their clients have these. Is there still a place for this more general type of email capture where instead of promoting something specific to an article, I'm promoting something more general like an ebook? Does that still have a place in the content marketing strategy? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, ebooks, white papers, things like that, we, we love producing those. There's, there's a lot of value in creating those. Uh, the reason I mentioned content upgrades is because we only know based on the person reading that article that they're interested in that article. Where lead magnets come into play are for things like uh, landing pages or perhaps on a home page, maybe where you have a more generalist audience that, that the uh, the lead magnet may appeal more to. So I guess the crux of it is the more data you have, i.e. we know someone is interested in this topic because they're reading this article, then we can create a more specific lead magnet for them. When we don't have that data available, then the, the general lead magnets um, tend to go yeah, a long way in, in capturing email addresses as well. One of the other things that you had mentioned and that we had talked about is that the, the most common email capture is just want to hear more like this, give us your email address and we'll keep you in the loop. And that's obviously not super compelling, but that's what people have. And so what place do you see newsletters and email marketing play in the whole content marketing system? Because I know you do a lot with marketing automation and all of that. So if we want to still have an email newsletter, how do we make sure we do it right? Yeah, definitely. So I, I don't want to discount the the value of an email newsletter to a business and, and the, the customer. Um, it's, it's just when you're offering that as extra value to an article that that can be slightly problematic. When you've offered a content upgrade, the person has, you know, by proxy opted into your email list, the constant flow of emails. So if you're producing an article weekly, you send an email weekly and that can be as little as 50 words, 100 words in an email. You're, you're just creating another touch point that reminds the person that you're there and you're a business that can potentially help them. While you do that, you're creating value and adding value. So it's definitely an important thing to do. The I don't have the exact statistic on hand, but the majority of people who visit your blog are, are never going to return again. If you do want the opportunity to sell them on your product or service later down the track, it's incredibly important to, well, first of all, capture their email, but then to continue the relationship. And I say that doing finger quotes because it may be a very one-sided relationship, but but a, a relationship uh, nonetheless. It's definitely better than not having any touch points. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely an important part of, of what we do and, and what agencies should definitely think about when they do content. Obviously, you want to have a corresponding email for every piece of content you're creating. But beyond that, are you only contacting them via email when you're putting out new content? Or are there ways to more directly 
move them along deeper into the funnel to try to get this person, this lead to become a paying client? Definitely. There definitely are. And that's probably a topic for another podcast <laughs> entirely. Um, so marketing automation platforms, you know, something like a, a Drip or Infusionsoft, are incredibly sophisticated and you can, you know, get a, a very good idea of, of how the, of the strength of a lead based on what they're clicking on, how, how much time they're spending on this page of your site versus another. You can get a very good idea of what customers are interested in and the likelihood of uh, them going on to become a lead. So it, it does make a lot of sense to create extra content around that and uh, and funnel users down the content, the, the sales funnel as it were, um, based on their lead strength. That tends to, for a lot of agency owners, really overcomplicate things. So we say just at, at a minimum, if you're just sending a weekly email, that is, you know, the 80-20 the of, of email marketing, I guess. You're creating another touch point and you, have, you don't have to invest a whole lot of time into all this marketing automation stuff, which is incredibly valuable, but, um, you know, it's a whole nother kettle of fish. Right. That, that's sort of the, if you want to go deep with something, if, if you really want to make sure you're squeezing every ounce out of your content system, then look into that. But if you're writing a blog post once a quarter, don't let the idea that, hey, I don't have time to get marketing automation set up, like, don't let that stop you because there's a lot of that you can get out by just getting the basic foundation in place. Would you agree with that? Exactly right. Yep. I'm going to stop Simon right there for a quick word from our sponsor, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The Agency Advantage podcast is brought to you by Hubstaff. Hubstaff makes time tracking software for remote teams so you can stop tracking time with spreadsheets and start getting the insights into how your team is spending their time that only screenshots and in-depth reports can give you. You probably know that by now, but what you may not know is that we recently launched a platform called Hubstaff Talent that makes it easier for you to find and hire high-quality freelancers around the world. Whether you just need extra hands for a specific project or you're looking for something long-term, Hubstaff Talent is what you need. Best of all, it's 100% free. We don't take a cut and we don't act as a middleman. Our goal is for you to use Hubstaff for time tracking, but you're not required to do so. If you're looking to grow your team with remote freelancers and don't want to pay big fees to Upwork, head over to talent.hubstaff.com today and create a free profile for your agency and start posting your jobs. That's talent.hubstaff.com. All right, let's get back to Simon. Before we get into specifically how you apply this system for agencies to help them get more clients, I just have one more area that I want to talk about, and that's content repurposing. And this is something that I think really helps agency owners who think that they don't necessarily have a lot of time to do content because they see like, all right, I, I spent eight, 10 hours, maybe more on this one blog piece. And then next week I have to do it all over again and next week all over again. And it just seems like it never ends. And while you need to have a steady flow of the blog content. How do you work with your clients to combine some of those, to, to repurpose some of those pieces of content into something bigger, into something that can be used in multiple places? Yeah, it's, it's a great question um, because it is a, a quick win and an easy win. You can create another entire piece of content that does add value uh, without having to create something entirely new. So for an example, um, using this this hub and spoke framework that I, I uh, talked about before, you have this central idea and then you have a whole bunch of blog articles written about that central idea. 
Well, you can create an ebook or a white paper or a longer form piece of content that just includes all of those uh, other pieces of content. So it, it is an entirely new piece of content, but it's made up of uh, pieces that you've already produced. Where you can add value is things like, you know, ebooks tend to be well designed, they're much more readable, you can make it a much more visually appealing medium so you can add uh, pretty graphics and, and things like that. Um, plus, as you said before, some people just prefer to consume an ebook rather than read a, a series of 12 blog posts. Um, it, it may be more convenient for them to do that. There are a, a million ways that you can repurpose content, but the, the crux of it is that you don't have to create something new to uh, create something new, for want of a better word. No, but, but I also think this speaks back to the, the importance of having a content strategy because if every week, if, if whatever your schedule is for publishing, if every time you're writing a new piece of content, you're just picking a topic out of thin air, you're just looking maybe at a new keyword or, or whatever just sparks your attention that week, you're probably not going to be able to easily combine a bunch of these posts into an ebook because they're not going to be very related. But if you do have that hub and smoke model and you have these 12 topics you're going to be covering or you have, you're going to be covering one topic from multiple angles, it's much easier to take those and create a longer format piece of content. Exactly right. One thing I want to talk about now is how you actually apply this to agencies because I know there are so many inbound agencies, there are so many content marketing agencies out there that do this for their clients but struggle to do it on their own, not because they, they can't find the time, not because they any of those reasons, but because they don't necessarily know how to apply it to actually get more of their own clients. So how do you think agencies should think about content in a way that will actually lead to more business for them? Yeah, so I think the number one thing to do is just sit down and think about this question and it's, what is the number one goal my customers want us to help them achieve or, or what is the biggest challenge they want us to solve? When you answer that question, it becomes much, much easier to create content around that and that content is going to be valuable to your customers because you know it, it helps them achieve a goal or, or solve a challenge. If you were thinking about for your own business, like for Content Kite, what do your ideal clients, what do they care about? Like what type of content are you going to be creating for that business? Yeah, so I, I guess the, the number one problem or, or goal that agencies, we work exclusively with digital agencies, is they want to generate more leads consistently. So to go back to your question before, what, one of the main things we see a lot of, uh, agencies or businesses doing in general is they write a lot of content about themselves or the work that they do and that is not necessarily interesting to your ideal customer. So, for example, the Agency Advantage Hubstaff podcast uh, is is all about helping agencies run a better agency and, and, and getting more leads in. It's not about time tracking software um, because with the greatest respect, that may not be a, a very interesting topic to talk about. But what it does is it, is it brings in the target audience and it, it provides value to them. And then, you know, somewhere along the way, that listener is going to get the idea that they need uh, time tracking software. And you'll be the first one they think of because you've provided all this value along the way and, and generated trust. So when we think about content, we think about what, problems do our customers have, not 
what do we want to write about to you know make us look um, good or or make us you know make our customers know that we we know a lot about a certain topic <laughs> right and i think that is one of the biggest mistakes that agencies have when they write content because they say like all right i'm an inbound agency i'm going to write all about inbound marketing or i I do PPC, let me write all about PPC. And what it misses is the fact that clients aren't usually coming to you because they really have a dying need for more content. It's because they want more customers. They want to make more money. They want to save time. Whatever it is, there's usually an underlying reason in your specific take on how to get them there isn't what they care about. They just care that they get there. If you can focus in on what matters to your customers and keep that in mind, you're really going to get far ahead. And I want to ask you now about, you're going to be releasing a podcast. And I think by the time this is out, the podcast will be live. How does the podcast fit into your overall content strategy? Yeah, so uh, it's exactly that. It's it's part of our content strategy. So like a blog post, it's, it's there to provide value to our target audience, which is digital agencies i mean it'll be a fairly similar setup to the agency advantage podcast we'll uh, interview agency owners uh, throughout the world talk about what their challenges are uh, but with a focus on business development and and what they do to generate more leads and close more business Uh, so that's what that'll be about it's called the the growth lever podcast and so with your podcast, I'm guessing you have a lot more planned other than just sticking to audio only, putting it up on iTunes, maybe doing some show notes and just leaving it alone. How do you see this driving other forms of content in terms of repurposing and all of that? Yeah, it's a good question. So we will be practicing what we preach and, and doing all those sort of things that we've, we've just talked about. So uh, we will repurpose the content into a blog post or produce a transcript or, or create it into, you know, a whole, a whole lot of other forms uh, that, that people may want to consume other than audio. Uh, and we'll be creating content upgrades. So quick takeaways that people who don't want to read the transcript, don't want to read the blog post, don't want to listen to the podcast can just get a few, uh, you know, snackable takeaways from, from that podcast. What originally led you to decide to launch a podcast? Because you have a ton of experience with more traditional written content. So why go the podcast route? Yeah, I mean, I I listen to a ton of podcasts myself. I do notice myself, uh, you know, having a uh, an affinity towards podcast hosts that I that I listen to. So there's there's sort of trust built along the way without uh, having to actually have a, a conversation with with every single one of your listeners, um, so there was that. Uh, the second part is what we just talked about. You can create a ton of content, you know, just based on that thirty to forty minute audio recording. Uh, you get a whole bunch of blog posts and, and content upgrades out of it that way. Those are the two main things. When we started with the podcast, we we couldn't speak to the agency owners as well because. We're not experts in the field, and at this point, I've, I've learned a lot. I've talked to so many agency owners that I wouldn't necessarily consider myself an expert, but I have a good idea of the problems that they face, uh, what works, what doesn't, that type of thing. But coming into it, I, I didn't. And so this was a way for us to put out content for our target audience without kind of speaking down to them because so many times when you outsource content, you're having someone who has no expertise write content for people who are already experts in the field and that usually just doesn't work out and so 
we came up with the podcast idea for that reason. And it's been, it has so many benefits in terms of creating content for people who want to consume it differently, but also for building more of a personal connection with our audience. And I'm, I'm excited to see more people in the agency podcast space. And I definitely recommend for listeners to check out the podcast, which I'll get linked up in the show notes. But before we start wrapping up, though, if listeners want to get started, if, if you've motivated them a bit to, to turn things around with their content, what is a good first step? Like, where do they even begin? Yes, I, I guess the first thing would be what we talked about before, getting that strategy in place. And the easiest way we know how to do that is by coming up with that central idea that is based on what your target customer would like to consume, not what you want to write about, what they want to consume. And then just come up with, start with 12 topics around that central idea. And you'll find that much easier to come up with topics when you have that central idea in mind. And then schedule those out. So it might be once a week or once a fortnight. You might even want to start at once a month and, and then ramp up from there. But the important thing is, is get that central idea, come up with 12 topics and schedule them out over your desired time frame. If you do that, you are much, much, much more likely to succeed with content um, than, than most other uh, businesses who, who aren't doing that. It's something where just having a plan in general, like knowing what your next steps are, knowing what you need to do, setting a schedule to it is a really good way to not just hold yourself accountable, but to make it clear what we need to do. Because if you don't have something in front of you that's saying, all right, this week I'm writing about this, next week I'm writing about that, it's really hard to make those decisions. It's really easy to get stuck and just... Uh, paralysis by analysis, just I have so many different ideas where do I even begin. So I, I think starting with that content strategy is definitely the first step. But one thing I do want to make sure we mention is that you were talking to me before about the an email course that you put together, a free email course that goes into detail about the actual steps of how to do this beyond just strategy. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So like I said, it's a, a seven-day email course. It's Free. We put it together uh, basically to help digital agencies uh, create content in a way that is uh, well leveraged, well promoted, uh, gets them the most email subscribers and ultimately drives more leads. Um, so people can go to contentkite.com forward slash hub and uh, they can sign up for it there and they'll receive the first lesson instantly. Awesome. I'll make sure to get that linked up in the show notes. But before we do wrap up, before I say goodbye, I'd like to ask everyone rapid fire questions. Um, they're going to be quick, but you don't have to have short answers. And so the first one is just right now, what are you spending too much time doing? Email. <laughs> yep. That's yep. probably the top answer that I hear. Yeah. And I mean, it's got to be done, right? But uh, yeah, I just, I find myself sitting there for hours at a time sometimes and just trucking through emails. And what do you not spend enough time doing? Uh, delegating, which uh, seems counterintuitive because once it's done, then I never have to do it again. But uh, I have somewhat of a need for control and uh, tend to do too much myself that I could easily delegate to someone else. And then in the next quarter, what are any specific goals that you have that you want to achieve? Yeah, so the next quarter, we'd like to grow by 20% in MRR. Uh, we want to bring on another content manager and we want to uh, to give 
listeners a bit of background, we use a, a vetted pool of, of contractor riders uh, and we want to uh, run our sort of testing mechanism on five more riders so that we have more of a, an army to, to uh, dive into. Right now, obviously, you, you have a plan to get there, but if there would be one obstacle you could single out that could potentially get in the way of you achieving those goals, what would that be? Hiring is, I, I think it's a pain point for just about every business owner. Um, you know, it's the interview isn't always as telling as you might think it is. Um, so, yeah, we just want to focus on getting the best hires we possibly can and, uh, yeah, getting the best people on board. Awesome. And so, Simon, I want to say thanks so much for coming on the show today. Listeners, if you want to learn more about how to apply this to your agency, definitely check out that email course. It's going to be linked up in the show notes. And before we do say goodbye entirely, Simon, if people want to follow along and see what you guys are putting out, see what you're doing for your own content, for the podcast, for all of that, where are the best places for them to go? Yeah, sure. So, uh, the first place I would direct uh, listeners to is contentkite.com forward slash podcast and uh, they'll be able to listen to all our new podcast episodes there. So, by the time this goes out, there should be uh, between five and six episodes for you to listen to. Perfect. Simon, thanks again for the time. It was a lot of fun chatting today. Thanks very much for having me, Andy. Content marketing needs to be backed by a real strategy if you want to make it work for your agency. And Simon laid out a straightforward strategy that will help you get results. First, identify your ideal clients and what sort of content they want to consume. Then create the content, include a content upgrade, and promote it intelligently. Measure results and improve the system. I'm obviously simplifying things a bit, but I'm I'm doing that on purpose because I think it's important to understand that it doesn't have to be complicated because we've had a few guests come on the show to talk content marketing for agencies and each has had a different approach and I think they all have merit. It really doesn't have to be complicated, but what ultimately does matter with any content marketing strategy is that you execute it consistently. This is much easier said than done for busy agency owners, but unless you're swimming in an ocean of leads, then you need to find the time. If not for content marketing, then at least for some kind of lead generation. If you are looking to do a deep dive in agency content marketing, check out episode number 65 with Michael Gass and episode 63 with Jonathan Dane. All right, that's all I have for this week. If you enjoyed the show and learned something, head over to iTunes and leave a review. Tell me what it was that you learned. I love hearing from listeners and positive reviews really help us grow our audience. So if you take a second to do that, I'd really appreciate it. And don't forget, if your agency is looking to hire remote contractors or maybe even looking for a few extra projects and are tired of paying huge fees to Upwork, head over to talent.hubstaff.com and create a profile. It's 100% free. I'll talk to you next week. See ya.